Welcome to the Persistence You podcast with Lisbeth, and that's you as in university. But we're much more of a community here. I'm your host, Lisbeth Meredith, author, speaker, and online teacher. Each week, I'll be delivering stories from amazing survivors and strivers, all threaded together with a dose of persistence. So glad you're listening. When my guest, Richard Wilmore, and I first spoke, it's an episode that technology didn't record too well, um, but he mentioned that when he was a little boy, he wanted to be a famous talk show host, and he just felt it would be such a powerful, powerful thing as a child to have his own show, but it wasn't rooted in narcissism. It was because his father had a life-threatening illness, and the treatment of that illness left him a bit deformed. And it left Rich feeling pretty helpless, all the things he couldn't do to help his dad. I think it's pretty amazing, the stuff that he's done since that time to help people who are in medical distress and to develop his own talk show, even though he didn't yet become the new Ellen DeGeneres or actually I don't have a television right now. So who is a famous talk show person? Kelly Clarkson. He's not there yet but he's managed to cobble it together on his own. I find him to be inspiring, and I hope you will be as well. He has a very interesting backstory that I'm going to let him tell some about, but Rich grew up in northern Wisconsin. He has a very serious case of MCS, which is middle child syndrome, and he thinks he's his mom's favorite, and I have yet to speak to her to find that out, but I'm going to take his word at it. Rich, uh, has a wonderful career as a talk show host, but today he's doing something even different and even more meaningful to him. So I want to let Rich talk about how he became a talk show host and why, and how that morphed into something that is definitely changing lives. Thanks so much for being here again, Rich. Oh my gosh, thank you. We persisted and we're back. That's right. And if this happens again, I'll change the name of the podcast just so we don't have to keep coming back. (laughs) Just one more time. That's that'll be the name of the podcast. I'm trying this one more time. (laughs) Well, please tell me a little bit about yourself and how you how and why you wanted to get into being a talk show host and and how did your life evolve to what it is today? Sure. I um, grew up in northern Wisconsin where we had no access to the arts. My my school, my K through 12 was one building. We you were either on basketball, baseball, or you did nothing and I was the do nothing person. So, <laughs> I wanted to be a teacher up until the summer of 97 when I was flipping through the channels and came across a rerun of the Rosie O'Donnell show. And at the time I was like 12 and uh it was like instantly I was attracted to this, not even just, not even just her. It was like the whole hour of fun and entertainment and the arts. And it felt like that's where I was supposed to be. Everyone felt good. Everyone was laughing. She was making sure that people who were underserved were served. And I thought, I, I want to do that. And it, it was like a safe space for me. Um, wow. as, as a kid trying to figure out who I was and what that meant in the world and what I was supposed to do. 
And from that moment, I can tell you like what happened that day, what she was wearing, like it was such a pivotal moment in my life that I thought that's what I want to do. I want to create a space where people who are doing amazing things can come and promote them, but also a place where people like me could come to feel safe. I like it. Okay. And people could be lifted up in a sense. Yeah. And so how did that then turn into what you're doing today? Like tell me about you becoming a coach. (laughs) Right. I spent many days in my bedroom. We grew up, there were five of us, two parents and three, three siblings and in a three bedroom house. And I made my older brother and my younger brother share a room so I could set up my bedroom as a talk show. (laughs) And so I had the curtain, I had the, the desk, the chairs, and I would literally just talk to the air for an hour Every day when I would come home from school, I would hang up an on-air sign on my door and no one was allowed in. And I would talk to nobody. Sometimes my brother would come in and pretend to be a celebrity. Um, But I just, that's what I did. And I, and I would have, I would have musicians on fake musicians and I would play CDs or cassettes and that would be, you know, and I had the most famous people in the world. Um, And then I went to college and I thought I'll just become an actor and then I'll become famous and then I'll get a talk show because that's how that works. Excellent. Well, okay. And then that never worked. I, I went and got myself a theater degree and then wound up in the retail world <laughs> like every actor. <laughs> and right. uh, so it kind of just like fizzled. And then I did a little show in Milwaukee on television for a little bit. And, um, and then it, I don't know, I just, it was always like a dream. I never thought it could actually be a reality. And then I got married in 2014 and we moved from Wisconsin to Maryland and I didn't have a job. And, you know, I'd always talked about how I wanted to be a talk show host. And my uh, now ex-husband said, well, do it. And my friend started saying, well, why don't you do it? It's a virtual world. Like, there are places to do it online. Why don't you do it? And so I created a set in my basement in Maryland and I would have, I would have real bands come over and I would have authors and actors and I had a, a, a spot for an audience. So I would get audience members to come in and I started filming it. And that's kind of how it began. And then I, I've done it, you know, many places, basements, bedrooms, living rooms. I've done it at theaters. I've done it at coffee shops. Um, and we're now going to actually be on TV starting this season. We'll be on, We'll be on uh, Apple TV and Roku and Amazon Prime, or I mean Amazon Fire Stick, and uh, it'll also be a podcast on on iTunes. So huge congratulations! Thank I you. mean, way to take a little dream, a small child's dream, and turn it into a grown up reality. Yeah, I remember thinking at fifteen, I don't understand why NBC isn't giving me a show. Like, right. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't understand why why nobody had discovered me yet, and here I am, you know, twenty years later, still trying to really do it. But it's it's progressing, and that's what I've learned. Like as long as it's progressing and not stalling, right. I'm on I'm on a, the track to something. I love that. I love that. Now, tell t- could you give a little story into how you got involved with the organization that you're serving with? That just is so amazing. Sure. I work with um, a nonprofit here in San Antonio called Hearts Need Art. We do creative support for patients and caregivers. So we go into hospitals and we do creative arts. We do writing. We do uh, live music. We do music lessons. We do art with adult patients, uh, their family members, and the medical staff. 
So it's a lot, um, but it's so much fun to meet 60 people every day in a hospital that you would never meet and hear their stories and meet their family members and really create bonds with people that you never would have met in the world outside of that. Um, but I found this, the founder Constanza at, um, at a musical theater venue. I was going through a divorce at the time and was sitting in my new little apartment feeling miserable. And I thought, you know what I need, I need to be uplifted. I can't sit here all day and I'm going to go at the time. I didn't even know what arts and health was, but for my health, I needed to get out and experience art. And so I bought one ticket to a local theater and I went to see a musical and um, someone introduced me to her and she had this little table with this little crappy cardboard sign for hearts need art. <laughs> and she was so like, so welcoming and so nice. And I was hosting my show. And so I had her on the show to promote it. And we did Fantastic. the segment and, and then we went away and I went back to my apartment and I was feeling sorry for myself. And I thought, why? Like, it just like hit me one day. I'm healthy. My bills are paid all is well, but there are so many people out there that are not in my position. And even though I'm feeling like, Oh my gosh, poor me. Why am I not giving back? I have time. I have the energy. And so I called her up and we went for coffee and I started volunteering for them. And that was in 2018. And the following year, they created a job for me and I became their first full-time employee. That is so wonderful. I think what a terrific, terrific way to serve people using the skills that you have. People who are just sort of held hostage in a hospital, they never asked to be there. They don't want to be there. And it's depressing, especially when COVID came. So yes. what kind of results have you seen? And, you know, give give an example of somebody who maybe, you know, was touched by the program of Hearts Need Art. Sure. So one of my original jobs was to go around to every room when we would have a class or a program and invite them to whatever we were doing that day. And, um, you know, as a as a, I guess, entertainer or performer, you want the yeses and you want the, oh my gosh, yes, I want to hang out with you. And I was getting no's and no, and no, I don't want to come and no. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing wrong? And it turned out that I've learned that it isn't, I'm not doing anything wrong. It's, it's, it's many things when you're in a hospital, it's that they physically can't move. It's that they're super ill. It's, it's sometimes just that you're the one thing that they can say no to. And that gives them a little bit of power because suddenly they're powerless. And like you said, they're prisoners is what they are. Right. Like the way we treat oftentimes people in a hospital is very inhumane. You lock them in a room with no interaction, sometimes no lights or sunlight, you know, and they have no way of doing anything. And, and it's so sad. Um, but even though, we we hear no part of my job requirement was to still go back the next day and to ask them right. again and we keep <laughs> you know and and this can go on for weeks some of the patients are there for almost a year at a time because we work with a lot of cancer patients and so every day i would go in and i would hear no from the same people and i would know that they were going to say no but i still wanted to say hi to them um and then eventually i break them down or they get bored enough and they come to a <laughs> class and, and this can be literally after weeks I've had it. And then they're crying after class and they come up to me to hug me or shake my hand and thank me for not giving up on them. Um, and then wow. of course, cause I'm a baby, I start crying. 
Um, That's powerful. It is because it's just like, and you don't, you don't know the power of the arts until you think about it. Everybody does it. Everybody wakes up in the morning and turns on music or everybody, you know, like get in the car. You want to feel good. You want to, or you're, you know, um, even just in not even making it, it's you're out and you see the, the, a rainbow, like how beautiful that is or a mural. And you don't even know that that alone is benefiting you. And then suddenly you do it and there's just creative, no judgment. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I get to do something just fun for once. And you know, a lot of my artwork gets hung up in the walls of a garbage can because I'm not a professional artist, but I love the way paint feels gliding across, like gliding across a canvas. And I never thought of that until I started doing this job. Oh, wow. Wow. I was going to ask. I mean, it sounds like it can really transform the life of a patient, help them unpack some of the feelings that they're having for being a patient. But how has it changed your life? I feel like it has. And I've said this multiple times to my boss. I feel like this job has saved my life. It came at the arts saved my life through this. Uh, I get to listen to music and create every day, which is, I feel very selfish sometimes, but it's, I feel so lucky that I get to do this job every day. Oh, that is terrific. That really is. And when you and I spoke before, you mentioned that pre COVID when people could be more in in person, that sometimes it created connections with unlikely patients. Can you tell a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, when you're in the hospital, you think you're the only one who's there because again, you're isolated in your room and suddenly you're in this group and you're all laughing and you're all sharing stories and you're creating. And sometimes we'll have collaborative art pieces where you work on a piece for three minutes and then you shift it to the next person and they create it. And then we go around the room and then you get to have this finished piece that everybody in the room has worked on. Um, and so it creates that, oh, I'm not the only one. And then you start seeing them go to when you could before COVID. You start seeing them go to each other's rooms and exchanging numbers and creating Facebook groups for everybody on the floor. And that never would wow. have happened without a program like ours. I think that is just so terrific. Really such a great thing. I mean, it is a life changer. For people who didn't expect it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure that it runs somewhat on donations and grants. How can a person find out a little bit more about Hearts Need Art if they wanted to get involved or to take a class? Because some of that's moved online, I hear. Yeah, we do all of our stuff um, virtually now. That's what we did during the pandemic. We thought we were kicked out of hospitals at the time when we were needed the most in hospitals. Um, And so we created virtual platforms for all of our programs. So you can go at on heartsneedart.org, click on the virtual sessions and you can, you can work with a live musician. We've had people just uh, make an appointment because they wanted live music on their lunch break or we have. Yeah. And, and that's what we're here for. You like, you just need that moment. It doesn't have to be an hour long. It can be five minutes long of just, you know, someone, someone who's distracting you from whatever you want to hear a good song um, but we've also had patients that have been working with our, our visual artists for months now, and they just keep expanding and doing different things and learning. We've had, we've been, we've taught, uh, someone how to watercolor from beginning, like had never picked up watercolors, but wanted to do it. And Hannah, one of our artists taught her how to do that on zoom. 
Oh, wow. So it's that pretty powerful. Power- yeah. I mean, there's nothing like, you, you know, like sitting next to someone and talking to them and being able to actually look in their eyes. But there is still some connection that can happen with two people on a Zoom that still makes some really cool memories. I think that's terrific. And one unintended consequence of COVID is that you've been able to expand your reach. Yeah. Now, there are a lot of people across the country and beyond, probably, that are able to benefit from the wonderful services, whether you're helping someone learn to write, you've got a writer, you know, who's helping someone, you know, learn some writing skills or music, whatever it is, paint, you know, people all over the place now can join in. So that's sort of beautiful. Yeah, it was one of the, we've always thought, like, how do we expand? How do we get everywhere? Everybody, you know, it's not just needed in San Antonio. Um, And so we were one of the first to kind of move on to a virtual platform. So we started getting calls from from support groups and hospitals around the country needing something for their staff members or their patients. And so we started providing virtual services for groups as well. That is terrific. I love that. So good. So how can people get in touch with you and know more about your variety show also? Oh my gosh. Um, your show coming up. When is yes. it coming up on TV? Yes, coming up on TV. Uh, RichardWilmore.com is where I live. And then everything's off of there. Facebook and Instagram and all the things you're supposed to be on. I'm not on TikTok yet because I feel like I'm too old. <laughs> I don't understand it. You don't have to be on everything, I don't I, think. I can't. I think... I... <laughs> Exhausting. Yes. yes. So good. So richardwilmore.com, they can find you and all the things. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how this all turns out for you, the show, and also really excited about Hearts Need Art. I just think that's one of those amazing, adaptive, and terrific outcomes of a terrible time is that it's mm-hmm. really, in a sense, catching fire in the best possible way. So yeah, thanks really- for being here again. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was just going to say it came like at the perfect time in my life. It's when I needed it the most. And so I feel very grateful to live the life I live. And you make such a good point, too, about like you weren't expecting it. You were just feeling down and out. Your marriage ended. Go by yourself, which feels Mm -hmm. awful sometimes to your live performance. You know, just buying the ticket feels geeky because I've done it a million times. But then you find out that the very thing that you think you're helping someone. You're helping do some volunteering. And isn't that great that you're doing it, but it actually ends up saving you as well. And I think often people say they're too busy to give volunteer volunteer their time. They're too busy. They already have a job. They already have, but maybe what they don't understand is that incredible, authentic connection. So I really hope this is a time where people need more than ever to dig deep, to find their best selves and giving to an organization or through an organization like Hearts Need Art or whatever is local to them can change their lives as well as people around them. Yeah. So I'm a big believer. Thanks so much for being here. And let's hope this one turned out great. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Yes. And it's always good to see you. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the show, please follow. And if you've really, really enjoyed it, tell a friend and go ahead and give us a review. I'll see you next week. Proud member of the Podnougan Network.